Start your morning with the CNN Daily News Briefing. In just three minutes, we'll tell you about the stories that are making headlines around the world. To listen, tell your smart speaker to play the CNN Daily News Briefing or find us in your favorite podcast app. Good evening from Washington, where not only has the president been impeached, the Speaker of the House has also exercised her power in such a, uh, in a such way it could change everything about what comes next. Or as our presidential historian Tim Neftali put it earlier tonight, wow. Nancy Pelosi earned that wow just moments after ushering Donald John, uh, Donald John Trump into the history books. On this vote, the yeas are 230, the nays are 197, present is one. Article 1 is adopted. On this vote, the yeas are 229, the nays are 198, present is 1, Article 2 is adopted. And with that, Donald Trump became, along with Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton, only the third president ever to face trial and possible removal from office in the Senate. Members almost entirely along party lines adopting two articles of impeachment, one that he abused the power of his office by allegedly seeking or extorting Ukraine's help to get reelected, and two, obstructing the congressional inquiry into it, obstruction of Congress. But it was after her gavel came down that Speaker Pelosi said something that potentially turned everything upside down. CNN's Phil Mattingly joins us now with the latest on that. So the statement by Speaker Pelosi, uh, just explain what happened. Yeah, so Anderson, there have been a lot of open questions about what the trial process would look like in the United States Senate. Many we didn't expect to have answers to really until early next year. But one of them we didn't expect to have uh, any questions about at all was whether or not the Senate would actually get the articles of impeachment from the House. Well, then the speaker said this. We have legislation approved by the Rules Committee that will enable us to uh, decide how we will send over the articles of impeachment. We cannot name managers until we see what the process is on the Senate side. And I would hope that that will be soon, as we did with our legislation, our Resolution 660, to describe what the process would be. Uh, So far, we haven't seen anything that looks fair to us. So hopefully it will be fair. And when we see what that is, we'll send our managers. Now, Anderson, let me explain to the best of my, to the extent that I can, what's actually going on here. First and foremost, the Speaker has every right to do what she's doing right now, which is essentially say she's going to hold the articles of impeachment until she decides to send them over, until they appoint managers to actually bring those articles of impeachment over to the Senate. Nothing can be transmitted. So that's very much in play right now. But there are a couple other issues here that are really important to focus on. First, the broader context of things. Democrats have been outraged over the course of the last week over the comments of of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, the idea that he says he's not an impartial juror, the idea that he's working with the White House uh, counsel's office hand in glove. And they want to underscore the fact that they don't believe what McConnell has put on the table up to this point will lead to a fair trial. Look, Anderson, Democrats are, are, are... They know that the United States Senate is not on track to remove President Trump from office based on these articles of impeachment. They will likely acquit him, but they at least want to have the discussion about whether or not the trial is going to be fair. And by withholding these articles of impeachment, the speaker believes, A, she has some leverage for future negotiations into how that Senate trial will work. And B, Democrats can now hammer home the point that they don't believe McConnell will lead a fair process, at least for the next couple of days or perhaps even longer. And what are Republicans saying about this? I mean, do they think that the speaker actually has much leverage? 
Yeah, first and foremost, they were stunned. No Republican that I've been talking to over on the Senate side had any idea this was about to happen. There's been some rumors that this might be something that could come uh, to the forefront, but nobody really believed them. But the second idea is is one that the, I think most Republicans I'm talking to are, are kind of chuckling about, the idea that McConnell would give up any leverage based on what's happening right now. In fact, Anderson, I had one Republican senator text me shortly after the Speaker's press conference, quote, if the Speaker thinks magic, this magically gives Democrats leverage in the Senate, she hasn't been paying close attention to how McConnell operates the last few decades. Look, there's no doubt in anybody's mind McConnell isn't going to move off his current position that he doesn't believe witnesses should be coming forward, that he doesn't believe that the witnesses that Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader, proposed earlier this week, four current or former administration officials, should come testify, at least not at the early stage of the trial process. However, I think everybody's kind of wondering what's actually going to happen next, given how we ended up tonight. Well, Mattingly, thanks very much. It is fascinating. Presidential historian Tim Naftali joins us now, along with our political and legal team, Carrie Cordero, David Gergen, Kirsten Powers, Mike Shields, and Paul Begala. Uh, Tim, let's start off with you. Um, I mean, it's historic what happened today, and then it's fascinating what Speaker Pelosi announced. Well, you know, we have, we've had a, a few weeks to process all of this, because the fact that there was likely going to be an impeachment is not a surprise. It's very, a very somber moment. But one of the elements of this story that well, at least I wasn't thinking closely about was that this is the first time in our history that we've had an impeachment when the two houses of Congress are not controlled by the same party. And and that's what makes what happened tonight so interesting. Um, Speaker Pelosi has decided to hold the articles of impeachment. Well, that was never an issue before, because before the same party controlled both houses. So it was just it was it was a procedural matter. It's now a political matter. And this is the first time in our history that a that one of the houses has decided to test whether it has any leverage. And I don't know if there really is leverage, because, frankly, as far as I'm concerned, Mitch McConnell has every reason to play chicken. Perhaps Speaker Pelosi believes that President Trump is so eager for a trial that that is some leverage that she can somehow take advantage of. I don't know. This is about to be played out. But we are witnessing something that has never happened before in our history. So today we saw something that was rare, the impeachment of a president. It happened only three times in our history. Forty-four individuals have been president. Only three of them have been impeached. Tonight we saw something that was absolutely unprecedented. David Gergen, um, from a, just a political standpoint, what did you make of today? And historic as well. <laughs> uh, I, well, well, I was right. I, th- I, think that, I don't think any of us saw this coming. It's important to understand that in the last days, the, uh, there are a number of people led by McConnell who've been making the argument that they don't need to be impartial in, in a trial. Right. That they've already made up their minds. And Lindsey Graham represents that school, so does McConnell and others. Under Senate rules, you're supposed to be impartial. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to take an oath of impartiality before you do it. So they feel, you know, the Democrats feel you're already in violation. And along comes Larry Tribe of Harvard, a, a constitutional law scholar, mm-hmm. who writes an article that has gotten a lot of private attention in Washington, suggesting, in fact, you can do something like this when, the, when the, it appears the trial is going to be partial. Mm. And this, this gives you leverage to go and negotiate. Now, I think it's tough to... You, it, Nancy Pelosi has had a remarkable record so far this year. In fact, the last two years, I think, working with Donald Trump. And she's uh, outsmarted him on many occasions, I think, and is, is well regarded within the Democratic circles. But for weeks, the Democrats have been arguing, let's get this over with. Right. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And now they're going to hold it up for some indefinite period of time. It does seem to me there's going to be a lot of pressure. Wait a minute. Let's go back to where you started. Kerry, do you think it's possible the Democrats would just decide not to forward it at all to the Senate? So essentially, I mean, history has been written today. 
the president has been impeached, regardless of what the Senate then later on decides to do. That's right. I mean, I think that um, Speaker Pelosi has the option to withhold it. I do think that's an option. This is only the third time in history uh, that a president has been impeached. And there isn't actually a set way that this has to proceed. So I think she has some flexibility. Um, Both she and uh, McConnell are hardball politicians. And so I think we're going to see sort of a clash of titans in terms of the politics of this play out. But as far as today, I really think that today overall was a win for the Constitution. Because what we saw is that in terms of the process that the Founding Fathers laid out. They laid out a way to deal with a president who abuses the power of his office. And whether or not this goes to the Senate or whether or not the Senate, it seems even if it did, it would be unlikely that the Senate would actually remove him. It is now in the history books that Donald Trump was impeached, that the Congress, the House of Representatives, uh, had enough votes to say that his actions were an abuse of his office. And this is a process that has been since the founding of the country, and we really just saw it actually play out today. And I just think it's worth pausing and and acknowledging how remarkable that is for our democracy. Kirsten? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't agree more. I I think that in terms of what Pelosi is going to do, I, I don't know enough about the House procedures and the Republican procedures and, and how it works. But it, it just strikes me that if, if McConnell wanted to, he could probably say, fine, leave them there. We won't do a trial and we'll just pass a resolution and we'll say that he's innocent. Right. So it, it's what, what Donald Trump wants is he wants to be able to say, I was acquitted. I was acquitted by the Senate. And so McConnell probably can find another way to do that. And Democrats have wanted to have a trial. So um, my expectation is that she'll probably end up sending them over. Paul Begali, you went through one impeachment. <laughs> I have. And, and there's only been two in history, and I've been through one of them. And in both of the two we've had, there were witnesses. We've never had a trial of a president without witnesses. And so Senator Schumer made the first move here. He said, well, we just want four. There were four in the Clinton case. Four. And, and they're pretty important witnesses. Mick Mulvaney, the acting uh, chief of staff. Uh, John Bolton, the former national security advisor. Uh, Robert Blair, who was an advisor to Mulvaney in the chief of staff's office, and Michael Duffy, who was running the budget office. These are people who would know firsthand. Mm. Did the president illegally or improperly uh, uh, stop this aid for political reasons? How far can McConnell go to keep them from testifying? I know Mr. Trump has gone all the way to the wall. McConnell says, I'm here for for the president. I'm going to defend the president. And I'm sure he will. I bet you his higher priority is to defend his vulnerable Republican senators up for re-election. Senator Collins in Maine, Senator Gardner in Colorado, Senator Tillis in North Carolina, Senator McSally in Arizona. There's four off the top of my head who the Democrats are gunning for. And voters are going to come to them and say, well, wait a minute, Senator. Don't you think they ought to at least have a couple of witnesses who know firsthand whether the president committed bribery? I think that's a pretty strong hand. I mean, Pelosi knows power. Mitch does, too. This will be a great clash. But she knows what she's doing here. Mike Shields? I think uh, it is a mistake to take on Mitch McConnell on a procedural thing. And I think his team is sort of laughing tonight at the idea that this would happen. Uh, I think he'll probably just confirm like 20 judges a week while this is waiting and, and stare her back. And that's what, that's what Mitch does. Uh, I think that in terms of 
an impartial trial. She, Nancy Pelosi has set something up now where if she does send it over, she's basically saying, oh, I think it's fair. I'm not going to send it unless it's fair. Well, if she does, then I guess it must be fair or else you wouldn't have sent it. So she just drew a line in the sand that she may not want to cross herself. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she's going to get through that. And the last thing is, I mentioned this last night, Chuck Schumer has said, oh, I'm impartial. No one in the country believes that any of the Democrats are impartial. And this is what is wrong with politics and wrong with Washington, D.C., and why this whole thing is a joke. Because this is now extremely, it's a solemn day. The Constitution won. And we're right back into political games. We're into talking points and messaging about witnesses that weren't even a part of the House trial in the first place. Because the president blocked them And so now it's back into politics again. And that's exactly where actually the Trump people want it to be. So let me ask you two guys about politics this. What if Mitch McConnell comes back and says, okay, you've got a week. If you don't send it over here within a week, we're done. We're going to move on. We've got other things to do for the country. Is that good politics for either one? Is it, in fact, better politics for Nancy? Or- for the Democrats, Trump has the permanent stain of being impeached. Yeah. And the Democrats have maximum leverage in court because there's an ongoing impeachment. And the courts at some point are going to have to rule. They can now press this, as many Republicans have been saying. Well, why don't they go to the courts? Uh, Senator Santorum was on the set tonight saying that. Go to the courts. It's not a bad point. Now she can go to the courts without delaying impeachment. It's the best of both worlds for her. We've got to take a quick break. Coming up next, the president's reaction, his attack on a grieving widow, and also on her dead husband, the longer-serving member of Congress. Uh, Also, the lawmakers who voted to impeach, uh, one of the lawmakers voted to impeach, joins us to talk about her decision. It's a nice breaking news about what comes next. While the House was voting to impeach President Trump, the president was at a rally in Michigan. Watch. With today's illegal, unconstitutional and partisan impeachment, the do-nothing Democrats, and they are do-nothing. All they want to do is focus on this. What they could be doing are declaring... Their deep hatred and disdain for the American voter. This lawless partisan impeachment is a political suicide march for the Democrat Party. But they've been trying to impeach me from day one. They've been trying to impeach me from before I ran. He didn't stop there. He also uh, took time to attack a uh, grieving widow with an attack on her uh, late husband, the longest serving congressman in the history of the House, Inez Por Sanchez is in Battle Creek, Michigan, where the rally was, joins us now with that. So you were there. Talk about what more about what the president said tonight. Yeah, Anderson, at more than two hours, this is the longest campaign rally speech of President Trump's presidency, uh, often rambling, often scathing in his criticism of Democrats. It was interesting when he first came out, he started by saying it doesn't feel like we are being impeached. The president reveling in the adoration of his supporters I should point out the president uh, tried to counter program here. He talked about trade deals with China. He talked about the strength of the economy, but it didn't take long for him to focus his ire on Democrats. Uh, The president telling his supporters that they should vote Nancy Pelosi out of office, also making a crude remark about Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and sort of mimicking this crude interaction between Bill and Hillary Clinton. But perhaps the most appalling statement made by President Trump tonight was about Congresswoman Debbie Dingell. He sort of mocked a conversation that he had following the death of her husband, former Congressman John Dingell. He's taking her vote on impeachment very personally. Listen to what she said, to what President Trump said. Then you have this Dingle, Dingle. You know Dingle from Michigan? You know Dingle? You ever hear of her, Michigan? Debbie Dingle, that's a real beauty. 
So she calls me up like eight months ago. Her husband was there a long time. But I didn't give him the B treatment. I didn't give him the C or the D. I could have. Nobody would have, you know. I gave the A-plus treatment. Take down the flags. Why are you taking them down? For ex-Congressman Dingo. Oh, okay. Do this, do that, do that. Rotunda, everything. I gave him the everything. That's okay. I don't want anything for it. I don't need anything for anything. She calls me up. It's the nicest thing that's ever happened. Thank you so much. John would be so thrilled. He's looking down, he'd be so thrilled. Thank you so much, sir. I said, that's okay, don't worry about it. Maybe he's looking up, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. And you could hear there, Anderson, there were some audible groans in the crowd. They didn't really receive that statement very well. Uh, the president also saying that Democrats should apologize for what they've done to his family. Again, he's taking impeachment very personally and making clear that even though he says he doesn't feel like he's being impeached, the two hours of rage tonight really show how he feels, Anderson. Yeah, Boris Sanchez, Boris, thanks very much. Congresswoman Dingell has responded, tweeting, quote, Mr. President, Let's set politics aside. My husband earned all his accolades after a lifetime of service. I'm preparing for the first holiday season without the man I love. You brought me down in a way you can never imagine, and your hurtful words just made my healing much harder. Back now with the team. Um, I'm not sure really what to, to say it's about that. It's just him. repulsive. I'm sorry. I mean, what he just did is absolutely completely repulsive. And, and even the Trump supporters seemed to think that it, it crossed a line for him to attack her that way, a grieving widow. Um, and the idea that he just did what you do, you know, you have the longest serving. He gave her the A plus treatment. Yeah, he gave him the A plus treatment. Yeah, it's like, why would you do that? Why would you give them the D or the C? That doesn't make any sense. This is what you do when you honor people who've right. served. We should point out, country. he was the, lo he's the yeah. longest serving congressman in history. His father was a congressman before him for 22 years, I think. I think he was in for 60? Yeah. 59 years. 59 years. He served in World War II before that. Yes. By the way, Mr. President, you don't control who lies in state in the rotunda. The speaker does. That's not even his call. Hmm. John Dingell, so in case our viewers don't know, not only is he the longest serving and, and tenure is to be admired, he was crucial to passing the Civil Rights Act, to creating Medicare, to passing the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. So much of what we take almost for granted in modern life, John Dingell was central to. He was a giant of the House and was widely admired on both sides. Uh, and in fact, when, when uh, I think it was Mr. Boehner was sworn in as Speaker, he asked Dingell to swear him in. John Boehner, Republican, asked Mr. Dingell to swear him in. That's how revered John Dingell was. And uh, Donald Trump, uh, Corporal Bone Spurs, not worthy to carry that man's boots. Well, it's a reminder that today he was impeached for his conduct as a president. What that showed was his character as a man. And on that, he could have been impeached a long time ago. Yeah, it was notable today that nobody defended the president's character on, on the Republican side. They went after process. They went elsewhere. No one said there's no way he could have done that. There's no, no way he would. Yes, have they that. didn't. Yes, exactly. But Paul is right. But John Dingell was one of the last giants uh, of the Congress, and he was revered by many, many people. And Debbie Dingell came after him and had been holding that seat. And she's widely admired, widely. Uh, uh, she had a lot of friends in Congress. And I think they will find his actions, what he had to say today, to be disgusting. 
Uh, it's not the first time we've seen that. But what it also tells us that in contrast to the last two presidents have gone through impeachment, uh, that's Nixon and Clinton in the modern times, both of them actually came out contrite when it was over. Mm. In both cases, it resolved the issues. They went on with their, you know, Nixon resigned, and Clinton went, you know, had a lot of contrition, went back to work, but we resolved the issues. This president is so embittered that he's going to come out and spend the rest of his time in office getting even. And that's what troubles us here. You look ahead, what kind of presidency is this now going to be? The pre, you know, when Nixon was good enough to leave. He had to leave. But Clinton went ahead and worked for the good of the country. And you, what you want to do is have a president committed to the good of the country, not for carrying out vendettas against people like Debbie Dingell because she voted the way she did. Yeah. Mike, I mean, the, can, is it defensible at all? No, it's not. And... Uh, her words are powerful this evening. And look, I, the, the best thing I can say is that the president is an entertainer. He sees himself as that. And if you get on a stage when you're mad and talk for two hours, sometimes you're going to say things you regret. And so Do you I, think he actually regrets it? I, I don't think he regrets it. He's I, never he, regretted anything. He, he, may not say, he may not say that he does, but, I, you know. I, what, do you I think, think he cares about a grieving widow? He doesn't talk to his own wife. Why would he care about a woman who actually loves her husband? I, I, I think anyone who said that in public forum would regret it, especially the criticism they get. But look, I, I can't, I'm not defending it. I'm not defending it at all. The counter-programming no is effective, though. I mean, he, yeah. he had his rally, and then he does his shtick, and then we're talking about it instead of the fact that he was impeached today right. for abuse of power and abusing his office. And this is who he is. We know this is who he is. This is who he was in the campaign. This is who he's been as president. But it's not what he's going to be. You're right. He's, it's not what he's going to be impeached uh, for. And I think there is potentially right. historical precedent for a president's character and conduct that this isn't the impeachable behavior. And the Democrats considered a whole host of facts throughout his term in office of things that he potentially could have been impeachable for, uh, there, whether there it was a, the Mueller report. Let me just finish. Whether yeah. it was the Mueller report issues, whether it was the obstruction that was part of that, whether it's his constant and incessant lying to the American people. And none of that is impeachable. What was impeachable was his abusing the office and involving national security and foreign policy and defense issues. And that is why the Democrats had no. and, and one independent had to act today. The, the, the tie-in, and we talked about this a little bit before, uh, I, I was working for Newt Gingrich when we impeached President Clinton, and I see so many parallels between those two things. One of the parallels was Republicans hated Bill Clinton. It was personal. They had a vitriol for him. And so every time we tried to stick to, there were criminal referrals in the Star Report. Let's talk about the actual facts. It would always drift over into how much we just viscerally disliked him. And that, and that helped him because the public saw that, and they said, you're just trying to get him. And what President Trump does is triggers people on the left with, with things like this to the point where they get so angry that they move off of what you just talked about and all the legal things that could be impeachment and their vitriol and hatred for him comes out and becomes very personal. He responds personally back, but it becomes very personal. It's the same mistake we made when we impeached it's, it's got It's got to be weird, though, for all these Republicans. Maybe it's not but at this point, but it's got to be, be interesting for all these Republicans who spent today defending the president, though not on his character, but on, you know, process, just standing up for the president to then, as soon as it's done, hear him, you know, uh, attack a, a widow and, and her dead husband. Um, 
That's the guy they're defending. Yeah. That is the guy who they are now the party of Donald Trump. It is yeah. his party. And that is who they are planting their flag on and, you know, going to the to the barrier. That's who now they're, they're comparing to Jesus Christ yeah. well, more than once today in the debate. Can I compared our president to our savior? I can, that I can is answer sacrilege why they church. do that. I'm well, a Republican. Yeah. Why they compare him to Jesus? No, not <laughs> yeah. that. And, okay. Oh, yeah, that, that's what. No, I'm not saying I don't understand why nope, they do it. It happened twice. I just think it, it's yeah. got to hurt. I mean, if they have an ounce of, Here, of like decency, yeah. it's got to at least hurt that. You know what? I just spent all this political capital and defending this person. Uh, I'm and, sure and he's it, now this is who he is. I'm he's, sure it hurt Democrats when they found out their hero, baby boomer hero, did the yeah. things that he did uh, as well. Uh, yeah. Politicians let us down all the time. Right. But the lowest unemployment since 1969, the lowest uh, uh, pay gap between blacks and whites in the country in recorded history. Uh, you know, the judges that right. he's confirmed. It's taking right. on China, yeah. manufacturing right. jobs are up. That's why Republicans are supporting the, uh, the president. Just because you have but things that yeah. you like that a president does doesn't doesn't justify this kind of right. behavior. If somebody, yeah. if, if somebody is a pig, you yeah. don't overlook yeah. the fact they're a pig just because but they do you smell good on a particular day. But do you impeach day, them or because nice you don't like them? Yeah. Impeachment, no, I, I'm this I'm entire saying, trial has gone down, and the president's approval on the economy has gone up. He wasn't impeached because people didn't like him. That's just not true. That's not clear to the public. It's not true, and also we know that there there were many times the Democrats voted against impeaching yeah. him. All right, we, I got to get a break in. Uh, Michigan Republican <laughs> Congressman Fred Upton has just weighed in, tweeting, quote, I've always looked up to John Dingell, my good friend and a great Michigan legend. There's no need to diss him in a crass political way. Most unfortunate, and an apology is due. Uh, stick around. Still a lot to discuss. Member of the Judiciary Committee joins us next. Congressman uh, Pramila Jayapal on her thoughts about this historic day, as well as Speaker Pelosi's intentions for those articles of impeachment. More ahead. In the lead-up to the president's impeachment tonight, his Republican defenders stuck to familiar, if not always correct, territory. That is, except when several members decided to compare the impeachment to events like Pearl Harbor and the trial of Jesus Christ. On December 7th, 1941, a horrific act happened in, in, in the United States. Today, December the 18th, 2019, is another date that will live in infamy. They'll be forever remembered as the Senator Joe McCarthy's of our time. Pontius Pilate afforded more rights to Jesus than the Democrats have afforded this president. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Joining us now for taking one of the most remarkable days in U.S. history, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, who sits on the Judiciary Committee. Um, having some perspective on it now, just a few hours, I guess. Yeah. How do you feel about what happened today? It was surreal. Um, it was painful to, to sit there and watch the Republicans some of whom I know quite well, um, mock, laugh, make comments that were uh, completely ridiculous, you know, some of the comparisons that they made that you just showed. Um, and I think it was a great affront to, uh, from their side, a great affront to the, what the framers had in mind. From our side, I was so proud of our Democratic Party. Um, I was proud of the people that are in tough districts who really had to think about uh, how they were going to deal with this whole situation. But at the end of the day, they swore that oath to the Constitution and they felt that they had what they needed to uh, uphold that oath. It, it was remarkable. Uh, one of the things that David pointed out earlier tonight was that you did not hear Congressman 
congressmen or women making a full-throated defense of the president's character, saying no. that he would never, it's inconceivable that he would do something no. like that. And, and that was true throughout. I mean, I sat through 18 hours on the Judiciary Committee for the impeachment markup um, the whole time that we were looking at the Mueller report. And you never saw the Republicans actually provide a fact defense, ever. Um, they talked about how the process was bad. And then every once in a while, they would throw out a few things that were not really facts. Um, and, but, they, but they stayed away from kind of defending the president, defending uh, any of the, the, you know, the arguments that we were making. They, they really right. didn't have the ability to do that. The uh, Nancy Pelosi's, the, her decision or her, at this point, not uh, moving the articles of impeachment or not sending them over to, uh, to the Senate, not naming managers. How do you, what is the play there? Well, uh, you know, we have the right to do that. Um, we don't have to transmit them right away. I think her belief, and many of us feel this way, that uh, the Senate has refused to put forward fair rules for a fair trial. 71% of the American public, according to a recent poll I just saw, want those witnesses to come and testify. They want a fair trial. They believe that um, we need to be able to call these witnesses and they need to be able to hear from them. So what Pelosi is saying is, don't ask me to appoint impeachment managers and send this over when you have not given us any guarantee of what this trial is actually going to look like. So where, where does this go? Because, I mean, if Mitch McConnell just decides I'm not going to, you know, bow to your demands, uh, would you support the House not sending the articles of impeachment over to the Senate at all? No, I think, um, you know, I don't think we're there yet, but I, I think it's hard to imagine that we wouldn't send them over, send the articles of impeachment over, unless it was such a sham from the very beginning. And I got to tell you, you know, I, I was in the Judiciary Committee room when Mitch McConnell announced that he was coordinating everything with the White House. The, the idea that the foreman of ju the jury, the same person who sets the rules for the trial, by the way, is coordinating with the defendant is absolutely outrageous. And I think that this is where sometimes I think I see I have seen the limits of our Constitution in the imagination of the founders, because I don't think they ever anticipated that there would be a party who would refuse to put country over uh, their own party. The argument of the Democrats, though, has been, look, we need to we, we can't wait for court rulings. We want to do this fast. We want to move on and talk about tabletop issues and all the other things that voters care about. If that is if that was the motivation uh, on the timeline so far, isn't holding up sending uh, the articles over to sending the impeachment over for trial in, in the Senate? Isn't that running counter to what the Democrats have been saying of this is we want this to move? Not face? really, because it's not we're not talking about holding it up for months and months. We have to get the rules of the trial figured out quickly. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully that happens immediately. Hopefully these get transmitted quickly and we get the trial started with real witnesses and when those senators take that oath um, of impartiality, I hope they're remembering uh, exactly what that means to lie on an oath, mm. because that is really, really important. And our democracy depends on this. Uh, Congressman Pramilo Jaipal, thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you. It. Uh, just ahead, more on whether Speaker Pelosi, uh, Pelosi force, uh, can force Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's hand on witnesses. We'll be right back. More now on House Speaker Pelosi's delay on sending articles of impeachment to the Senate and the Democrats' call for witnesses in the Senate trial. Republican Leader Mitch McConnell, who's expected to speak on the matter tomorrow morning at 9, said Tuesday it's just not going to happen. The Senate is meant to act as judge and jury, to hear a trial, not to rerun the entire 
fact-finding investigation because angry partisans rushed sloppily through it. And back now with our team. Mike, as you've been on the Hill a long time, what do you expect McConnell's move is here? What's his I mean, counter? does that sound like someone who's intimidated <laughs> by what's going no. on? I mean, they, I, I saw someone on his team say, Pelosi pulled the pin out of a grenade and then decided to hold on to it rather than throwing it over the wall. Mm-hmm. And that, so she's, she's got this in her lap now. When she could have passed it off to Chuck Schumer, I, I don't know, I guess they've planned this. What Paul's saying is, you know, her left wing may be doing this to her because they want to pick this fight. The left wing wants the fight they, of the Democratic Party. They think that they can win a fight. So let's talk about witnesses and let's keep this going. The moderates and the people that have to run in the Trump seats are saying, can we just get this over with? Mm. By the way, very similar to 1998. The right wing of the Republican Party was like, we are going to go get Bill Clinton no matter what. So, Paul, very, very is this a wise move for Pelosi? Well, it is. I, she, not a grenade. She's like MacGyver. If she has like a paper clip and a rubber band and chewing gum, she's going to make a bomb and toss it over to bed. Um, she, she, she does know what she's doing. I, I think... Just by the way, our viewers watching Air Force One arriving back in, in, uh, yeah. in Washington. Uh, the, uh, and welcome home, Mr. President. God bless. We, uh, we, we, we have as Democrats actually a political gain if the trial is seen to be a sham. Right. There'll be a reaction to that if they do what what I think Mitch seems to be moving toward. Senator McConnell, excuse me, it seems to be moving toward just like we're just going to have a quick vote and clear the guy. I think people are going to say, wait a minute, that's not a trial. He has that right. Constitution puts the word soul in the, in the document, I think only twice. Once the House has the sole power to impeach, the Senate has the sole power to try that impeach. And they do it any way Senator McConnell could get 51 Voters votes in swing areas are saying, please start focusing on the things that matter to us and get done yeah. dealing with this part yeah. of the right. That's what the they want. Bills Stretching it out to a long trial is not good for Democrats. Yeah. Tell them. Uh, well, listen, I, I, I think one has to go back to one fundamental, and that is that this president did, did not send a single document and block the key witness from coming to testify. So the country has... Which is unprecedented. It is unprecedented. I mean, blanket. It's not what Nixon did. It's not what Clinton did. And, you know, there, and I think the country has a right to hear from Bolton and from Mulvaney and from Pale and so forth. So there is that foundation. But I do think that the politics of this get to be very, very difficult, very tricky. I think there are a lot of Americans... It's like what happened in Britain. Get... Brexit done. Right. The same thing pertains here. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. We'll have more from our group and more on the History Making Day here in Washington. We'll be right back. Looking at live pictures of uh, President Trump uh, coming off uh, Air Force One, arriving here in uh, in, uh, Joint Base Andrews, returning to the White House. It's been a day of consequence in history, of course, here in Washington. Back now with our, uh, our team. Uh, Carrie, you, I know you wanted to say something before. Sure. So we were talking before the break about the uh, Speaker Pelosi potentially holding up the articles of impeachment in some sort of negotiation with McConnell. And what I'm wondering about is this argument that it's over witnesses, because I'm perplexed why they would actually pick a fight over witnesses. If we think about two of who might be the major witnesses, it might be Mick Mulvaney. It might be uh, John Bolton, the former national security advisor. Hunter Biden. I I have low confidence that even if Mick Mulvaney or John Bolton were hauled into the Senate and put in a chair, that they would really answer questions. I think even if they get there, there's a there's there's a scenario where they assert executive privilege or they assert other privileges and nothing Mm. actually comes of it. So I am a little bit um, curious why the speaker thinks this is the fight to pick. Tim. 
I think that um, I'm just trying to get, wrap my head around the circumstances under which Mitch McConnell would cave. If it's eyeball to eyeball and he would blink. We saw him in the case of Merritt Garland when he decided to go eyeball to eyeball with the Constitution and precedent and he didn't blink uh, and he didn't confirm uh, President Obama's choice for the court. I just don't see what incentive he has to cave at this point, which means that the speaker might have to cave and it and it would look very good for her. Um, perhaps there is a sense on her part that the president is so keen to have a show trial because he loves TV that that might be reason for Mitch McConnell to come back with an offer which then she can embrace and say is a fair um, set of um, procedures. I don't know. But it's a surprise to me that she would play do this tonight when the story today is the historic impeachment, only the third time in our history our president has, a president has been impeached. That is today's story, and this seems to be stepping on the line a bit. Well, it's putting the ball back in the Senate's court, which is where this thing ultimately is going to be resolved, right? And people have a sense of what a trial is. And a trial without witnesses just doesn't seem like a trial. And, and this has been polled. We were talking about this during the break. The ABC Washington Post poll 71% of Americans, we're divided 50-50 on everything, 71% say there ought to be witnesses, 64% of Republicans do. And again, I've been through this, so has Mike. Bill Clinton personally testified. Does anybody think Donald Trump's going to testify? His chief of staff testified, his senior aides testified, his secret service agents testified, mostly in the star part of the process. But then four witnesses testified in, in, the, in the Senate cells. Hell, Clinton gave blood. You think Trump's going to give blood? I mean, the, the, the level of obstruction by this guy is really remarkable. Let's, uh, we've got to take a break. I want to thank everybody tonight. We're going to be right back. It's been quite a day. It's going to be quite a night. The news continues. I want to turn it over to Chris for Cuomo Prime Time. Chris? 